genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, we continue our mini-series on the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise with the fourth film adapted from the Disneyland slow-moving boat ride, 2011's Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Joining us to talk about the Spanish, the British, and the most expensive film ever made is Phil DeGrash. Welcome to the show, Phil. Hi. Hello, mates. How's it going? Hey. Wow, there he is. He's there here. I am. That's right. <laughs> it's me. Don't worry about it. Kingdom Hearts Jack Sparrow. Ah, nice. Nice, nice, nice. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm very, very, very happy to be here, guys. Um, hi, I'm Phil. I, uh, I'm a longtime listener from whenever franchiseography started. Uh, about a year uh, because ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've known these two guys for for quite a few years. We've never met in person, but mm-hmm. someday we will. I hope someday. so, for sure. One day, <laughs> we've we've worked together a few different ways on a few different like different That's projects. So true, years. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't be more grateful. Absolutely, <laughs> us, us either. Us two? I don't know. <laughs> us either. Us two. It goes. It comes like the uh, tides. Yeah, like the stranger tides. Yeah, like the Stranger uh, Tides. Phil, uh, I get I get the feeling just from like our pre-recording chat that we did that you have uh, a lot of history with the Pirates oh boy. of the Caribbean franchise. Oh boy, do I. Oh boy, Nick, I, I really, really, really do. This will be surprising uh, in retrospect, but I am not a huge fan of Pirates of the Caribbean, believe oh. it or not. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I love the first film. The first film is so fun to watch. You know, I like the characters. I like the way it was made. I like the tone. I think you guys have probably talked about it in the first episode, which I am very looking forward to listening to. And, but like in general, I mean, when the first film came out in 2003, I didn't even see it in the cinema. Mm -hmm. I actually just rented it on DVD and I had a good time seeing it. And we've seen it maybe me and my brother when we were younger, we've seen it a couple of times. Uh, on and off. Uh, I enjoyed the music. I liked what I saw. It was really fun. But, you know, that's it. Like, all right, that's it. We're, you know, Return of the King's coming out in the same year. I can't wait for that. Lord of the Rings, yeah. Oh, and Matrix Revolutions, too. Like, that was just, that's this, those are the two pinnacles of, like, those are the two pillars of my uh, young, uh, young adulthood, I guess. I mean, I was 14, so teenagerhood. Yeah what have you. And, you know, by the time 2006 rolled around, uh, or 2005, rather, when I was hearing um, news about them filming Pirates 2 and 3, I was like, all right, cool. Uh, and then the movie came out, and I remember seeing it in theaters with uh, with friends. And by the end of the second film, I was just, like, just really fatigued. Mm. 
I was I felt like the 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 climax of that was very it was quite it was quite difficult to grasp because I think that you I don't know how your relationship is with two and three, but those movies are like knots and knots and knots of information that is like sprinkled across very kind of unbalanced in my opinion. Like it was just, it took me a long, long time to finally understand every little bit of plot and Mm -hmm. uh, what is happening to who and why is this happening and, you know, to where and to what, just because of the way the script was written. Then like, I, I was okay with it. I was like, I'll, I'm wondering what the second, like, what the third uh, movie is going to be about because my favorite character has always been Barbosa, mm-hmm. and I love that guy. Barbosa is so cool, and he came back in the second one, and I was just like, "Yes, okay, I'm watching the third one. I have to watch the third one. I, I love this guy." Um, and then the third one came out, and I was, I, I it was confusing. I was confused. <laughs> I was, I was confused. A lot of bargains. (laughs) There's so many bargains, man. (laughs) And to get to what makes this podcast maybe a little more special is that uh, at some point I was listening to the At World's End soundtrack and I was thinking to myself, what if, what, you know, like, what what if the fourth movie, like, what if the, because I used to do this all the time. I used to imagine, uh, like, the sequel to a movie that, was fairly large and is like an adventure and it's like that's sort of the thing that I would love to make someday. Um, even when I was at the time uh, 18 and even before that, I, I was just, I was, that's what I would have loved to have done. Um, and I was just thinking like what kind of story could happen in the fourth movie? Because what I loved about the third one, what made me really excited about it was that it put everything back to a kind of status quo because it kind of, you know, it put the characters uh, and events and kind of pushed it back into like a full circle. Cause like, as you know, at the end of uh, pirates three, Jack Sparrow is back without a ship. Barbosa is there uh, with a ship. Um, he's black on the, he's back on the black Pearl. The story is open. Everything like is kind of open for another installment. And this time you don't have to take all that baggage from two and three, because now it's back to like the start. Right. So it gives you an opportunity to kind of daydream about what you could do with this pirate's idea. So the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this is a good idea. This is a good idea. And then the more I talked to some friends of mine and I'm like, I'm right. I'm drawing pictures. Look at this. This is going to be cool. Look at what if this would happen in Pirates 4? What if this would happen in Pirates 4? And then I just kind of got hooked into the idea of, you know what? I convinced myself somehow don't you know? Don't ask me how, but I just convinced myself I could direct Pirates of the Caribbean for you know. And I'm I I'm gonna assemble I'm gonna assemble as much like do all I can with just you know uh, with the talents that I have at the time to you know make a pitch that I could like develop and have fun doing because I was having so much fun doing it. And maybe, maybe somehow, you know, show it to someone and then they're going to be like, oh, this is great. Let's, let's, let's move that over. Let's, let's get that rolling, you know, let's get it working. And so that's how I got involved in the saddest story of my life. No, I'm kidding. It's, 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 <laughs> no, that's how, I, that's how I got involved in doing, a, I think, what many people who have my kind of ambition and, you know, and interest could definitely like would uh, relate to and that is making a wanting to make a movie that you that 
realistically you you'll never make yeah. but that you have that you put a lot of that creative and emotional effort into and uh, energy yeah uh, so basically i'm here to publicly announce that i have <laughs> spent many 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 months developing a story for pirates of the caribbean 4 that no one's ever seen or heard of because I just really loved it so much. Just the process. Mm-hmm. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. Phil uh, shared his pitch deck with, with Nick and I. Um, yeah. Which he, uh, he, he built the pitch deck out of a, out of a, like a, like a treasure chest. Yeah. Um, I guess I to be more eye catching to like the studio people. And, uh, but he sent us the whole thing. It was like, I think it's like 60 pages or something like that. Um, something around there. Yeah. Yeah. The whole pitch, the whole pitch deck. And then you made like a video also that kind of like yeah. sums it up. A pitch um, video that kind of, yeah. says like, look what we can do with the, yeah. a new story idea. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it is, it, it's the kind of thing that it's like when you're not, working in the industry but you're like desperate to and like before you start working in it and and you just are on the outside looking at it and you're like oh it's this magical thing where dreams happen right and like wouldn't that be a great story that i was just a kid (laughs) from indiana who like you know drew up this like 60 page pitch deck and sent it to disney and jerry brookheimer and they were like hell yeah this kid's got the thing Um, exactly we're gonna make his pirates for like, yeah. what a great story. And then we win Oscars and everybody's like, hey, this was this kid that we found. OK, you OK, know. maybe not Oscars. I was never thinking of that. But yeah, well, I know sure, what you're but saying. Like, <laughs> but like, that's the thing, right? That's like yes, the story that you, you come up with in your head. And I mean, I think that a lot of us, um, especially like at that age when you don't really understand how the industry works um, and that it really is yeah. just a bunch of people doing their job. <laughs> most. No, that's well, absolutely right, dude. Like, um. <laughs> I hate saying this, but um, like I've done this for two other films mm-hmm. that I hope that I could make, and like that's the thing. Also, it's like I never really communicated these ideas to more than just like a personal circle of like friends that I had. Right? Yeah. This the weirdest thing about this is that I still held the belief that maybe somehow you know there was going to be this stroke of luck kind of situation mm-hmm. that will make everything kind of fall into place and it will happen. Uh-huh. Right. It's not that I didn't know about it. It's that I refused to believe that it was just, you know, it was the way that you explained. Like, it was just people doing their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And now that I've known a lot more about what goes on in the film industry, I'm just so happy that I've never made these films. (laughs) Because, you know, it's 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 so not what you kind of dream up that it is. That's exactly like you said. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but like, I mean, just to just to like take the the uh, I guess embarrassment off your shoulders, I will say that I did the exact same thing. Um, in when I was a teenager, I found out because the Evil Dead remake was announced as a thing that that was in development, and then it took oh, like ten years. Before I was going to say it actually like happened, right? Yeah. And so when that announcement happened, I was like, "This is my shot." Sam Raimi's my hero. He made a movie out of nothing. He was nobody. I'm that's how that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pitch myself as like, I'm a nobody kid from the Midwest. Mm. You were from Michigan. I'm from Indiana. Like, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch myself as the direct. I should direct the Evil Dead remake. Um, I'm going to be the next Sam Raimi. (laughs) And I searched everywhere for Sam Raimi's email address, right? But all I found was Bruce Campbell's. And so I sent Bruce Campbell an extremely long email pitching myself. The the extremely long emails. Yeah. (laughs) Pitching myself as the director of the Evil Dead remake when I was like 17 or something like that. Yes. Um, All right. Because, you know, you just... You want something so bad, and you're like, this is my shot. I'm going to shoot my shot. You know, guys, the whole concept of shooting your shot, it's romantic. It's a romantic idealization of how any of this works, right? But, like, (laughs) I think when you're naive enough as a teenager, I think that you – you're like, no, that's just reality. The romanticism of how I think life works, that's just reality, right? Dude, that, and you, that you learn so as you hard. grow older that, like, no, you were just romanticizing what it's like to be, like, an adult yeah. and a professional um, and all of these things. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's embarrassing. <laughs> but at the same time, it didn't deter me, you know? And it's like I that's... never got a response from from Bruce Campbell. For all I know, I didn't even have his real email address. Who knows? Oh. But – but um, I mean that wall of text, you know. Yeah, and I, but I did trust me. Like I've done that too, you know. Yeah, wall yeah. of text. Yeah, um, you know it's. But what you do get out of that is, you know, you put a lot of work into something that doesn't get made, and you start learning what is probably the most important thing about this industry, which is rejection. <laughs> there you go. Dealing with rejection, which is like. You know, 99% of working in this industry is just dealing with rejection. And so, you know, you kind of it's 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 good to get those things out of the way when you're like this idealistic uh, young person, you know. No, that is absolutely true. Like, I love hearing that from you because it feels like I'm not alone, you know. And (laughs) it's so funny because, like, I put a lot of effort into these these things and, you know, for the most part, I mean, I can be biased and I can say, look, I think you know, there's some really good stuff in here. But at the end of the day, it's like, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it, it doesn't work the, like this. Yeah. And not only that, but like legally, they couldn't look at it like that's a, that's the other thing. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yes. Yes. They legally totally. could not look at this at what you sent them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely right. I don't know if anyone knows this, but yeah, it's the whole you know, unsolicited material thing. And it's, right. I think you've explained, I think you've explained it once or twice on this podcast. I'm not sure. Possibly, possibly. But, uh, I know it's just so funny. Yeah. It's just, it's just funny. So Nick, how did pirates four actually get made? <laughs> well, uh, even before the, uh, even before world's end premiere back in 2007, there was already mm-hmm. rumblings of, uh, the, the franchise continuing post trilogy. Uh, Brockheimer mm-hmm. had hinted as such, in you know interviews around the time and after the event of world's end uh elliot and rocio writers of the trilogy actually began work on writing pirates for but were interrupted by uh, a reoccurring threat on the show the 2007 2008 wga writer strike oh the writer strike so they had to uh stop work on pirates four and weren't able to pick it back up again until the writer strikes conclusion uh later in 2008 Hmm. Even uh, so, I hmm. bet writing this movie for them felt like a vacation after writing the like intense machinations of like two and three. Like I, that right. had to have been like a really complex experience. Whereas like this fourth one was a little. 
Well, you know, it's well, I mentioned simpler. the documentary, right? You can watch it. You can see how frustrated those guys are. They were yeah. just pulling their hair. Yeah. There was a uh, there was a decided effort by in Brockheimer's part even and this was expressed in interviews that uh, they put an effort to make World's End or on, on Stranger Tides more streamlined than the trilogy mm-hmm. became uh, mm-hmm. more of a simple point A to point B tale and not as many as Phil mentioned earlier machinations and confusing knots and threads. Um, yeah, uh, we'll see how it pays off later on in the walkthrough. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, oh. a, what a streamlined oh. pirates movie is like. But um, in June of 2009, Disney uh, made a deal with the team of pirates that they wanted Pirates 4 to happen before another movie that they were developing with the exact same creative team, Lone Ranger. Oh, man. That creative team being Elliot and Rocio, Johnny Depp, Gore Verbinski, Jerry Brockheimer, mm-hmm. and ultimately Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, hey, we w- you can make your Lone Ranger movie, but first we want a fourth Pirates movie. And so uh, Gore Verbinski was at the time busy making his own uh, Western gonzo epic, Rango. And so he was unavailable to return to the director's chair for a fourth time. And so it was Brockheimer's idea to uh, ask director Rob Marshall, who uh, he considered to be a top class filmmaker. Uh, Then I don't know if he won an Oscar for Chicago for best director, but I know Chicago won best picture that year that it came out. Right, right. Um, Rob Marshall is a very strange director because he has only Mm. directed six movies. Um, He started off as a Broadway choreographer. Um, Hurt his back, I think. Hurt his back or his neck or something like that. Injured himself in some way that stopped him from being a performer while being in Cats, the musical. Um, And then transitioned into choreography specifically and then eventually started doing like music video choreography, which led to him directing stuff. He has directed six movies and of the six movies, four of them are musicals. Hmm. And I don't know about Memoirs of a Geisha, but at least in this in this film, there's still like a musical sequence, like in this film, um, with the For mermaids. Sure. Yeah, and oh, oh, it's, wow. it's funny. And even yeah. in interviews, uh, Marshall said that he saw his his kind of way into the movie was looking at the action sequences like they were musical numbers. Mm, and okay, there's yeah. a few action sequences in this that I really enjoy, and they really do mm-hmm. have the same sense of inventive choreography that I think something like Chicago has. Sure. Or Mary Poppins Revenge or whatever that one was called. (laughs) Yeah, Mary Poppins Revenge. Yeah, and it's also funny because his seventh film, which comes out, I think, next year, um, which is the live-action Little Mermaid movie, is like him returning to pirates, returning to mermaids, um, and making a musical. So it's just like... He's like, you know what? You know what the problem was with Pirates is that it wasn't a musical. Right. <laughs> and so now That's he's just doing like, Pirates yeah. again as a musical. <laughs> and the movie is uh, based on a novel on Stranger Tides. Uh, the novel was discovered by Elliot and Rocio during the production of At World's End. And mm-hmm. they were really taken away by the novel's uh, depiction of the hunt for the Fountain of Youth. And it was funny. They had kind of this sober mindedness of like, this is a really fun book. This is such a good Fountain of Youth story that... If us writing a good fountain of youth story would be us writing this script. So we should just buy the rights to the, to the book. And so Disney, what, okay. when was this book published? 
Uh, I'm 87. not 87. Oh, thank you, Phil. But oh, uh, yeah, wow. I know. I know this because I was so invested in being upset at the movie. Sure. <laughs> in 2011. Um, yeah. And Disney had bought the rights way back in 2007. Mm. So the, you know, the map, the heading was kind of clear in the wake of At World's End that we were going to do Blackbeard. We were going to do Fountain of Youth. We were going to do On Stranger Tides. Um, right. And uh, and the project was announced in characteristically theatrical fashion in July of 2009 at D23 that year. Johnny Depp himself in full Captain Jack Sparrow regalia was trotted oh, onto boy. the stage and announced to Peter Serretta and Stephen Weintraub and whoever <laughs> else was there that uh, Pirates 4 on Stranger Tides was coming. And uh, another unexpected surprise would come in September of 2009. Uh, Disney chairman Dick Cook would step down after 38 years with Disney. Uh, now, listeners of our Curse of the Black Pearl episode may remember Dick Cook as being uh, an early pivotal member of the uh, creative team, at least on the studio side, uh, mm. going so far as to woo Depp in the office and drum up his enthusiasm for making a live-action pirate movie with, quote, real swords. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, Depp expressed in an interview in the wake of Cook's announcement that he was leaving that like Cook was the one standing up to people like Michael Eisner and saying like, no, let him be weird. Let him do the, you know, whatever Jack Sparrow thing. This is gold. And uh, Depp in the interview said that he, the wind had been taken from his sails upon hearing uh, that Cook was leaving Disney and kind of put a hole in his enthusiasm. Hmm. He saw this as like a key member of the creative team parting ways. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, but was, it, was, he, was he, did he leave by choice? Like, did he like leave to take another job or retire or something? I, I don't know if he, if he retired or if he kept working, but he did leave kind of of his own volition and kind of by surprise. He, oh, okay. He called Johnny Depp himself and said, Hey, like, I know we don't talk very often, but like today's my last day. I'm leaving Disney. Um, and I just okay. wanted to say like, Hey, thanks for making us so much fucking money. And Depp yeah. was like, right on. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, that is okay. stability, no. Uh, <laughs> and, but then uh, the, the whole project trudged on and began work. So as I stated earlier, this is, it's kind of like, I don't have that much to, in the way of like behind the scenes stuff. But as mm -hmm. I stated earlier, this is technically the most expensive movie of all time. I know. And it could have been even more expensive. Why? The movie was shot in large portions in places like the UK and Hawaii for their incentivizing tax rebates. So the final budget of this movie <laughs> is, without credit, was $410 million. Holy hell. And they received $32 million back in rebates from the UK alone. Wow. Which, and you know, Phil and Scott are both pretty dumbfounded by that visually because yeah, this does yeah. not look like the most expensive movie ever made. No. This looks like a very low budget film. Honestly, honestly, there were parts of this, guys, like once they get to the island in, in like this back half of the movie, it reminded me of like those old Disney pirate movies from like the 50s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like the level that it was at for me at that point. So I am shocked to learn that this is the most expensive film ever made. I'm too. Because I, yeah, it doesn't remotely look like that. That is insane. I, I thought that I thought that this was just under the budget for at World's End. But now that I heard this, this is something I've not heard before. That is astronomical. That's, 
That is astronomical. Yeah. Um, that is astronomical. And not helping with the budget was the decision to shoot this film in native digital 3D on set. Um, th- oh, yeah. This was 3D. This was filmed in 2010, coming out in 2011. So this was immediately in the aftermath of Avatar. Yes. Becoming That's right. you know, the biggest movie of all time. And uh, Rob Marshall didn't want to direct the movie post-production or post-conversion uh, because that sucks. So they, they did end up filming yeah. this in 3D. There are aspects of the mm-hmm. movie that now make a lot of sense in retrospect that it was shot in native 3D. Um, mm. Oh? Yeah. Well, like, just things like... Swords like going black- through doors. Yeah, oh, and, no, like, no, yeah. and like Blackbeard's yeah. like controlling of the boat by him like pointing the sword directly at the camera. Burr, burr, you know, burr, 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 burr. Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, every time when I watch this for the... This is like... I watched the movie again for this podcast for the first time in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, 2011, 3D. Yeah. Yeah, that's sword pointing. Oh, boy. A simpler right. time. <laughs> A simpler time. You'd go how to the movies. Do you, do oh, you happen to know offhand how much Johnny Depp was paid to to return? I do. Okay. I, abs- I absolutely do. He was paid uh, $55 million for this movie. Okay, well, which so okay. I, I was gonna say, like compared to I Robert mean, Downey Jr., about ten, you know, yeah, five that's what years I was gonna later, say, yeah. like, yeah, but still, fifty-five million dollars, fifty, but fifty-five million dollars, you know, I mean, uh, it's just, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's I will crazy. Say, it's he it's is crazy not as me. checked out in this, and in fact, I think a lot of my viewing because <laughs> I, I like Phil, have not seen this in ten years since theaters. Yeah. But yeah. knowing that Dead Men Tell No Tales is coming, mm-hmm. it did make me appreciate this movie a little more. Yeah, sure. And <laughs> I don't think Depp sure. is entirely checked out yet, but I do think he's getting there in this one. He is a little sleepy, um, mm. which which I'm going to talk about the general sleepiness of, of oh. Johnny Depp and the character the, of Jack Sparrow. Yeah, um, we can totally get into the breakdown the already. Dude, dude. So we uh, we open with a part of the world we hadn't seen yet in the pirate saga, uh, Spain. Yeah, we're in the waters of Spain. Two fishermen uh, catch something in a net and pull it up, and it's an old man who claims to be over two hundred years old, um, having been part of the crew of Ponce de Leon's uh, search for the Fountain of Youth, which he apparently found because this guy is still alive two hundred years later. What um, an opening that was. Like I like just think about it. The opening of Pirates I'm so sorry. The opening of Pirates One was that one that very ominous like mm-hmm. pirates be sailing these waters. You know, you have that fog and you have that you and, and you have uh you have that girl looking out into the distance with the with you know, with that pirate ship just going, you know, back into the fog and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Second one has well, it has that wedding. Uh, but the third, but the third one's the third one's very striking. Yes, and this one, it's an old man, uh-huh. hmm. just comes up and just goes, ooh. Yeah, they fish him out of the ocean. <laughs> that, that's your film. Yeah, and they fish him out of the yeah, ocean. They, so they bring the they, they bring the old man <laughs> yeah. uh, to the palace in mm-hmm. Spain, and uh, is this the prince or king? Or... <laughs> I don't know. He's it's the guy from the sort. last part of the movie. The guy. It's, the, it's the last. It's the last we ever see of him. I thought he was going to play a major role in the movie, and he did not. Who? Who? Okay, so who actually goes to find the Fountain of Youth? Is it the guy who says, um, 
because remember the guy says like how soon can we start sailing and the guy says with the tide is I, he the I guy who so. goes on the adventure i think so but like we see so little of the spaniards on this adventure they're just like this they like yeah. they like drive they have a drive by <laughs> like like <laughs> point across the stinger. restaurant kind of moment yeah. with 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 barbosa's uh, mm-hmm. crew and then they show up at the end and like that's they show up it. at the end. Yeah, it, it's a real missed opportunity to not introduce them. Oh, huge. As like another colorful part of the world. You know, I I wonder if there isn't an entire storyline with them. And again, the movie was going to be pushing three hours and they were <laughs> no. like, let's just not do this again. And like, right. Let's the cut point But this. you can you can cut out so much more in this movie. OK. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, this I would I will say right now, this movie felt longer than at World's End. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, they're, dude. They're it in, was a slog. Yeah. They're in one location. Like, I'm the so entire, sorry. Oh, you're good. Like. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's oh yeah, but we so we go in Spain. The Spanish know about the Fountain of Youth, and then we cut back to uh, England, which we haven't been yeah. to yet. London, um, a yeah. pirate trial, and uh, they pull out some guy, and they're like, "You're Jack Sparrow," and then they pull the pull the bag off his head. Yeah. And it's Gibbs, mm-hmm. um, he is not Jack Sparrow, but Jack is pretending to be the judge, um, and it's a very silly scene, and but. It it did point something out to me, which I, I talked about, I think, the l- last week, or it might have been the week before, but I think it was last week, about the concept of pirates being protagonists and the problems with that um, in terms of, like, pirates are not good people. And so you have these peasants who are like, hang him, hang the guy. <laughs> and we're supposed to be like, don't hang him. That's Gibbs. Gibbs is my friend. But then it's like, yep. but he's a, pi- he's a pirate. Like, he's not a good person. Pirates are not good people. They're thieves and rapists. And, like, they should be hung. Like, they're, they're bad people. Why am I Isn't on that... his side? <laughs> I know. Isn't that, like, the whole point of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, kind of? Yeah. It's very strange. It's a very strange place to put the audience in and somehow it usually works i don't know that it i think but i think that that they need to like not draw attention to it as much as they have been in the past couple of movies um mm. because they went far with that because like yeah. the first movie really balanced that out because the, the whole agree. like like the core of that movie was pirate and a good man like you know what i mean yes. that was the whole thing right right and now look at us look where we are <laughs> yeah like <laughs> right. they're trying the third... to like yeah yeah they're trying to like say that like pirates are swashbuckling heroes but it's like no they're they're thieves they're literally thieves like that's <laughs> what they do <laughs> they they wait for people like law-abiding people that are vulnerable at, at sea and then they attack them and kill them and steal their stuff and leave them for dead right yes you know don't hang them don't hang them yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we don't want them to be hanged no yeah. no did you ever see that, that I, there was like a Someone took a picture of a really like a a kids book, a Disney kids book, and there was this one little picture of a cute little pirate boy. Nice little illustration, and it says, "Remember, a true pirate doesn't steal other people's things." <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh boy, yeah, the, kind um, of the, the Disneyfication of pirates, I guess. Here we are, indeed. <laughs> so, so, um, so Jack uh, has bribed the driver of the carriage that is supposedly bringing them to jail mm-hmm. and he's like not going to bring us to jail because i bribed the driver we're, we're he's a pirate he's got the pirate line. tattoo right right um they open the back doors when they arrive and they are they are at like the <laughs> they are at the um 
the palace, the you know, with for for King George, um, and uh, it turns out that the Redcoats also bribed the driver. They they bribed him again because he's a pirate in true pirate fashion. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'll just do whatever the last person paid me to do because. It- it's funny you bring up the driver. I thought he was kind of a really interesting detail because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, he's an old man. He used mm-hmm. to be a pirate, but now mm-hmm. he's a stagecoach driver. Yeah. And it kind of drills this point home that like Jack Sparrow is becoming even more of an antique as the years go on. Yeah. Like he looks out of place in this sequence. He it's- does. I, the 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 scene between him and Gibbs in the back of this thing as they're going to their destination. Yeah. Johnny Depp is very sleepy in this scene. <laughs> um, he's just very sleepy. There's, there's, in my opinion, the action scene is very sleepy. Yeah. Oh yeah. We didn't even talk about the action scene. So I think I think that I can pinpoint an issue with the with the, with the like a specific issue with why the action yeah. scene is so sleepy because you have like this big choreographer. You know, dance scenes are not sleepy. Like, they're, like, lots high energy. Well, you know, he knows choreography. Like so, like, yeah. there's no reason why this should be as sleepy as it is, this carriage chase. However, I think the reason that it feels that way, which is, like, a little little later when he makes his escape from the palace. But, like, the reason that I think it feels that way is because Johnny Depp, in typical Robert Downey Jr. fashion, the more money he makes... The more power he has, the less he wants to work. Um, Robert, Robert Downey Jr. You know, was like, let's invent nanotechnology so that I don't ever have to wear that suit again. I'll just wear a green screen leotard. And Is that what happened? And that'll be the end of that. Yeah. He, doesn't, he didn't want to oh. wear the, the, the heavy, uncomfortable suit anymore. Um, oh. Yeah. Because why would you? I mean, it's a lot I of get hard it. work. Yeah. You know? He's 73 years old. I... Yeah. Yeah. So... So, you know, the same thing is happening here, right? Where he's like, well, I don't want to do all of, I don't want to train. I don't want to do all of these stunts. So have the stunt people do them. But the problem is when you come across stunts that even that Johnny Depp is like, well, why would I do this stunt? You're not even going to shoot me doing it. You're not going to see my face. So why would I walk across two carriages that are moving? Like, let's just have the stunt man (laughs) do it. So the stunt man does it. But the problem is the stunt man is very good at doing mm-hmm. big stunts, big dangerous stunts. That's what stuntmen are ready for. And they're good to perform those things and really like sell it. But when you ask them to do something that is so like easy grade, like elementary level stunt work, like wa- taking a step from one carriage to another, they can't sell it because it's too easy for them. And so what you end up with is a really sleepy action <laughs> sequence where the only bits that work are like the big moves because those are the things that the stuntmen are excited for. But then when they do the, they have to do the stuff that Johnny Depp is supposed to be doing, they're like, well, this is boring. This is easy. And so it's just like a little hop, skip, and a jump. And it's mm-hmm. not exciting because they don't know how to sell it the way that like Johnny Depp would, yeah. who would be actually scared to do this really simple stunt thing. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. All right, now I get it. Yeah, because it's so. It was such. uh, I'm. You're gonna hear me saying this a lot, but this was such a meandering like scene. Like just, it just went, and I, my eyes were. I was wanting to, you know, I wanted to give its due. I wanted to give the film its due credit because I wanted to talk about it on this podcast, and um, 
I was just having a hard time concentrating. Well, you know, Very hard. it's interesting because we do we we give we do get that scene with Gibbs and Jack Sparrow where a yeah. lot of information is yeah. given yeah. via like an info dump of like, hey Jack, did you know I'm in England because I heard that a Jack Sparrow is looking for a crew. And he's like, I'm Jack Sparrow. I'm looking for a crew. And he's like, I know. Like, but that's not me. Someone's right. someone is pretending to be me, but they happen to want the exact same thing that I do. And it almost felt like a novel. Like when you're reading a new novel and you're hit with all these like, okay, oh, he, this is what he's been doing yeah. for the X mm-hmm. amount of months or even years since At World's End ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, haven't you been to film school? It's the tell don't show method, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, the tell you, don't show. that's what you do. But you're um, it, it is weird though, because like yeah, Sparrow has this wariness to him, and it it's unfortunate because like it doesn't really compliment like 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 Phil said, it's kind of does have this meandering energy about right. it. For a lot, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So we get this scene in the dinner room with King George. Yes, um, which I think is actually like not a bad scene, like. All things considered, there's an aspect of it that I don't like, which is, to me, the thing that makes Captain Jack work as a character, mm-hmm. as like this legendary character that we're all supposed to be head over heels for, is his sort of like chaos magic that he has. He's like a little trickster god, where mm-hmm. the thing that makes yeah. him interesting is that no matter what situation that he's put into, he figures out a way to get out of it in the moment. Like yeah. that's mm-hmm. his whole yeah, thing totally. is improvisation, right? So yeah. the second that you start having him figure out how to get out of the situation ahead of schedule, like where he's ahead of the audience and like dropping a cloth in front of a window to use later. Oh, you didn't like that? Te- I hate oh. that because then oh, you're telling me that he's Sherlock Holmes, not Captain Jack Sparrow. The point of Captain Jack Sparrow is he's making it up as he goes along. Yep. Yep. That is not yep. making it up as you're going along. That is planning an escape route, which is just like, it oh, doesn't work for me. That's interesting. I, I, I read it as, oh, that's so funny. Did he even know what he was doing when he threw that napkin on the ground? Oh. Because oh. okay. hmm. like you have that line in part one where the dude's like, do you think he's like planning it out or does he make it all up as he goes along? And like the way he throws that napkin. And then because at the time I was like, why did that? Why did they handle that? Oh, so the show that it was there. And then I was like, did he mean to do that? I'm like, oh, that's the character. Yeah, I okay. guess so. I guess. Okay. So. Yeah. But I can totally I can see, see it reading like he's setting it all up. And then, yeah, we are entering like Sherlock Mind Palace territory. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, Richard Griffiths I, I, as the I, king. Yes. I was going to say Richard Griffiths. That was like I was so happy to see him. Very good. In, it's great. Definitely in um, uh, with nail vibes. Sure. In this, yeah, in yeah, this yeah, 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 yeah. Um, having a grand Uncle, old time. What is his name? Uncle. Oh God, it's, Vernon. It's like Uncle Richie or something like that. It's like oh, that you're talking of, about that that yeah. kind of name. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah, he's pretty good in this one scene that he's in. Um. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, okay. A couple of things. One thing that I liked was that Captain Jack is incapable of not talking with his hands. So as he's like trying to talk and he's chained to this thing, the chains are like annoying <laughs> the shit out of everybody because yeah. he's trying to talk with his hands. And so I really liked that. That was a stupid detail, but I liked it. Hmm. Um, and uh, uh, but we meet Barbosa, who is now working yeah. for the Royal Navy, and he's a captain in the Royal Navy. He's also missing a leg now. Mm-hmm. He has a peg leg. Because he lost it when he lost the pearl, um, and uh, and had to amputate yeah, his own the, leg. The pearl is gone. Yeah, the pearl is gone. Uh, Aye, the pearl leg. is gone. Yeah, 
it so uh, so so it so it sunk ooh. that's a pretty big thing to happen off camera right and well yeah it's it's ends up kind of becoming a big deal you know we don't know it at the time but it actually is kind of barboza's like big propelling motivation, motivation. Yeah. yeah um but how did how did how did that moment land for you scott like Depp, you know sparrow taking in the, like oh my god like my the millennium falcon basically blew up when i wasn't there to protect it yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I I assumed that it wasn't really gone. Um, okay. Because I don't think because because my my knowing how movies work, I'm like they wouldn't have done that off screen. Like, okay. they just wouldn't have. So like some it's it's alive and well somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. it's in the depths of hell, like it was la- <laughs> in the true. last movie, or it's somewhere. Um, I just assumed. But Barbosa working for the Navy is something that I understand the 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 choice to do something very different with Barbosa in this movie and like give him like a new sort of identity a new working under new you know circumstances whatever. circumstances yeah. yes totally understand that and it's a way to like create a a uh, animosity but a natural animosity between Barbosa and and um Jack again uh but my issue is with the execution of it because mm. I think it would have felt so much better, so much more fulfilling at the end of the movie when he returns to piracy. If he was fully on board for the Navy stuff, and so he's cleaned up, his skin looks good because he's been indoors a lot. You know, he's not a sea dog. He doesn't have a scraggly beard. He has a kind of a nicer beard. He's not like he just I I think that it would have worked a lot better if he was really selling that military royal military thing and then eventually being like no i actually hate this i want to be a pirate again and returning to the piracy mm. i feel like it would be more of a fist pump moment than what we get because this whole movie you're like well this guy's obviously living a lie i mean look at him <laughs> he looks so <laughs> like, awkward that's okay. the most pirate looking motherfucker i've ever seen in my life <laughs> he looks even more piratey now because okay. he has a peg leg yeah right oh uh, the peg leg yeah yeah but- yeah, because um, he he looks awkward in these yes. scenes, and yes. I can't tell if that's intentional or not. Like the powdered wig and the ha- yeah, yeah, it just does. It looks wrong. I think it is supposed to be intentionally like wrong and off putting, but because they're like, well, he doesn't belong here. But it's like, yeah, but you don't want to give that away. Like mm-hmm. you want people to be like, oh, maybe he does belong in the military. Maybe this is what he wants. But then at the end of the movie, when he's back to like, Arr! like you're like, <laughs> yeah, Barbosa's back, you know? Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. what you want. I don't For know. Sure. Yeah, uh, I get Phil, that. Yeah. Any, any opinions on a straight laced by the book uh, Barbosa? <laughs> I think it's lame. <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't know cuz he's my he's my favorite character. He yeah. was, you know, my favorite character throughout the thing. That's why I went to that's why I was excited for the third film. Um and just like it just was so I was so like my heart sunk just being like I I wanted to see a Barbosa that was independent doing, you know. It's it's that wonderful I like I was missing that kind of not a Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny situation, but it was something. It was something similar to that. I'm trying to think of some similarities where it's like, you know, there's always them kind of upping each other mm-hmm. somehow in subtle ways, and Barbosa does it with more of an a calculated, intelligent way. And I was hoping to see something that I could, you know what? 
forget what I'm saying. I just wanted to see Barbosa from the first film because mm. he was so cool in that one. And they kind of just, you know, and, and this is just like another level of embarrassment. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was so cool in the first yeah. one. He's very silly in this. Um, yes. I just. He's like a that, comedic that, that's side my character, opinion. which is yeah. like a weird place to put Barbosa, especially again, like I've been saying, especially when you get to the end and you want a fist pump. It's like, but he's been so silly the whole movie. He's been so silly the entire yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, I don't exactly respect right. him as a captain anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, one thing that I, I'm a fan of, uh, I like the escape sequence. I like him, like the rope and like him busting out the window. I think that, I thought that was cool. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh Judy Dench cameo. Oh jeez! Oh, that was Judy always, Dench. Okay, it was Dame Judy. Dench. I I always tried. I always try to forget that. Scene. Wow! And, and 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 it never it never like it never sticks in my mind. Every time it's sh- like the the only like three times I've watched this film in my life, uh, I just always forget that it's there. And I'm like, oh no! I, I why is it there? I was like, wow, that lady looks like Judy Dench. But uh, I never <laughs> in a million years did I think it was actually Dame Judy Dench herself. Uh, I like her one line of dialogue being, "Is that it?" Is that it? <laughs> no, that's good. That is it, Judy. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that that is it. Um, they missed and... the opportunity because they gave him the stupid shrunken head joke. Um, in the right. last movie, they missed the opportunity to have Helen Mirren play his mom because oh, Helen Mirren playing Jack's mom would have been like I think pretty good casting, uh, especially like Helen Mirren. Like think about her in like Fast and Furious. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Wait, she was in Fast and Furious. Yeah, she's been in like two or three oh, of them, wow. right? I think at this point, I've yeah. only. Uh, yeah, like I three. think I think three, including Hobbs and Shaw. I think. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I've I've not I've not seen them. I, I I've only seen the first. Okay. Well, <laughs> they've come a long way since <laughs> oh, then. I'm I missed I oh yeah <laughs> that's what I heard. So um in the in like the pre production like interview process or whatever they were talking about wanting to pattern this sequel off of a. Uh, a one-off James Bond adventure mm-hmm. as opposed to like the saga that the trilogy had been. And I really was getting those James Bond vibes when like, cause that is basically what a James Bond movie is. It's like the King is when giving M showed the- up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say <laughs> that. Yeah. Like when Richard Griffiths is like, I need, I'm going to send you, I'm going to outfit you with a crew. You're going to help me find the fountain of youth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been interesting. Him being at the charge of the government for an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been especially <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This movie's <laughs> with I here's my big controversial thought on this. Okay. Because we're about to meet her. We're about to meet her. Uh-huh. Um my big controversial thought on this movie is that if you remove Jack Sparrow from this movie completely mm-hmm. and rewrite the movie around the lack of Jack Sparrow and let all the other characters kind of fill in those gaps. This is a much better movie as a result. Oof. Yeah, <sighs> like what what is he what is he bringing to the story? How is he shaping it and changing it by being Jack Sparrow? He's just like he's like I we we, we, we Scott you kind of talked about this back in like the first movie I think or the second movie mm-hmm. of like Jack Sparrow kind of doesn't work as a main character because right. he is this <clears throat> like he, he's like the donkey without a shrek in this movie. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Just looking for um, a Shrek. So after the <laughs> after the carriage chase, uh-huh. uh, he ends up in Diagon Alley. Sure. 
the pirate equivalent of Diagon <laughs> Alley. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, and meets up with his dad again in a in a new cameo from Keith Richards. Yeah. That's what I didn't want um, to spoil for you next week. I didn't want to let you down and just it's just Keith Richards again. Okay, yeah. So so <laughs> Keith Richards uh, shows up, tells him about like oh, there's the Fountain of Youth, and there's the there's this whole like uh, uh, ritual thing um, required. Also, there's somebody going around <clears throat> saying that you are looking for a crew and he's like, yeah, but it's not me. It's <laughs> but I am Jack Sparrow. Yeah. So then he I ends ha- up following someone talking about Jack Sparrow back to this back room and meets his doppelganger, uh, who in a, uh, in a sword fight. And but, she is Penelope Cruz. Not just anyone, Scott. He isn't, yes. he isn't led to Penelope Cruz by anyone. He's oh. led there by scrum. The lovable, oh, right. the lovable, the new- great character. Scrum. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, the breakout character from this movie, Scrum. Yeah, <laughs> breakout character. It's it's very interesting that they didn't just bring back Bulk and Skull again. Um, they not Bulk and Skull. It's funny you mentioned that they brought it up, and Rob Marshall was like, "I'm worried we would end up cutting them if we just brought them back." Oh, that's why we keep Scrum. That's what, yeah, because yeah. there, there's no room because everyone's like, "Well, I mean, we have so much of Scrum to learn." Exactly. <laughs> that's that's right. What do you think I'm going to cut Scrum? If you think I'm going to no. cut Scrum, you've got another thing coming, buddy. <laughs> He's got all the best lines of this movie. Oh, God. He plays. Uh, I remember them all. <laughs> but yeah, so we meet Penelope Cruz, who plays Angelica in yeah. this. I, she is, I, yeah. she is an ex-nun uh, mm-hmm. who was about to take her vows when she was seduced by Jack. Um, and she had to like turn away from the covenant as a result <laughs> of her, uh, her affair with Jack. Um, and, uh, she's held a grudge ever since because yeah. he, she thought he was in love, but he was just, uh, uh, ready to hit it and quit it, I guess. Mm, being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like the two Jack sword fight. I thought that was a lot of fun. I think, I think it's okay. Yeah. I think conceptually it's fun. Yeah. I like that it escalates. I, the idea I is like, good. I always like a sword fight that starts with two people sword fighting against each other and then eventually having to like go back to back. And sword fight other oh, people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and another cool right. moment was when uh, Penelope Cruz Angelica was like, oh, we're surrounded. There's no way out. And Jack Sparrow was like, fuck you. Yeah, there is. And he starts like hitting the wine b- cr- uh, barrels and wine starts shooting out. And I'm like, yeah, that's Jack Sparrow. He would like, yeah, he always finds like an angle mm-hmm. that no one else would think of. Right, right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like I like this sequence and I like Angelica a lot. And my belief is that she that Jack that Jack should not be in this movie, and mm-hmm. she should be the main character. Yeah, Blackbeard's period. daughter. Blackbeard's so daughter. Saying, that should be the we... main character okay. of this movie. Um, and it is because Jack offers nothing to this movie. <laughs> no, he he offers absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't seem to want the Fountain of Youth. Mm-hmm. He kind of doesn't really seem to care that much about Angelica for a lot of it. But then he it's loves her all of a sudden. He's, He's so laser focused on wanting to find the fountain of youth, but then like he doesn't actually give a shit about it. As soon as he finds out that it's like a give and take thing where it's like in order to get gain. Oh, geez. Youth, yeah. Yeah. I have to take it. Take, take someone's yeah. life. Oh, well, I don't want to do that. And I was like, what are you? Ta- you're a pirate. What are you talking about? Like, I couldn't it- take the life of someone. Some some innocent person like you're what, what you do. <laughs> you do it all the time. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. 
Uh, and yeah, Penelope Cruz should have worn the mustache the whole movie. That's my hot take. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, After Effects, I could do it. You want the <laughs> mustache go. edition? Release the mustache cut. Oh, that's good. I I have one really important question, though, now that we're finishing this part of the Mm -hmm. film. Why are they in London to begin with? Um, I think, okay. How did they get Jack So, Shmi, Shmi, Gibbs was was arrested (laughs) just being a pirate. Um, Oh, Jack was... Because I'm, oh, was Jack? I don't think Jack was there looking for Gibbs. I think it was a coincidence, right? Or was he there to rescue Gibbs? I just watched this like an hour ago. I don't remember. Yeah, so did I. I do not remember. Oh, you? Oh, wow. Yeah. I can't help you. I watched it a few days ago. Like, yeah. I thought he, he was either in London looking for a ship and crew, only to find out that someone impersonating him was also looking for a ship and crew, or a crew already had a ship. And then he was right. like, oh, Oh, because he had the map already, and then Gibbs stole the map, so he wasn't looking for the map. Yeah. So maybe, maybe he was there to help Gibbs. I don't know. I don't remember. But then he leaves him there. Yeah, then he leaves him there. Um, this makes no sense. But Gibbs steals the map and then mm-hmm. burns it, having memorized it so that Barbosa can't <laughs> kill him. Can't or so he... Yeah, I'm the map. It's all up here. Yeah. Which so, is... Yeah. Which is which is really just used a lot in the movie. Like, there's so many scenes about Gibbs remembering the next place that they have to go to. <laughs> I mean, the movie's full of scenes of just Gibbs being like, well, in my mind's map, this is where we go next. It happens like six <laughs> or seven times. It's very useful. It's I'm glad that the scene exists. I, <laughs> I wish we went into Gibbs's mind palace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So many, so many. Imagine like that scene in, in, in At World's End with all the Johnny Depp's. But it's Gibbs running Gibbs. around. Just Gibbs running around. That would ship. be honestly, that would be so much better. <laughs> yeah, I Gibbs like that. They a all lot. call. They all call the other <laughs> Gibbs captain. Yeah, <laughs> I captain. I captain. They just never Beautiful. get anything done. Um, okay, what happens next? What happens? So next? Uh, uh, Jack wakes up on Blackbeard's ship. Ah, yes. We learn that the monster of this film. So, like, we have the sea monsters of Davy Jones's ship in the mm. second and third film. In the first film, obviously, we have the skeleton pirates, the cursed pirates. Mm-hmm. In this yep. one, it's very low key, and they're just like, "Yeah, I don't know." Blackbeard zombifies his crew, like voodoo he zombies his, his officers. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this reminded me a lot of uh, Terminator Three. Mm. How mm. so? Because the TX is kind of like, like that's that, a lateral move in a way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, yeah. It's like, what are you? You know, like first we had the the skeleton, the undead pirates. Then we had the fish pirates, and we had the you know the beast of the sea, and then we're like zombie. Yeah, you know. Yeah, actually, TX is like yeah, like yeah, TX is like oh, now it's a girl. Like there really isn't anything that different, right? Um, Wasn't it? Wasn't the the big difference was that she could she could turn her liquid metal into like complicated machines? That was how they. Like a like Maybe one up to a hook, yeah. Like into yeah. into things that like actually like worked and processed. Whereas like the T one thousand could only do like sharp stuff. Yeah, I don't know. We'd have, we'll have to, yeah, I think so. When we do our Terminator series, we'll know for sure, <laughs> right? Inevitably, yeah, yeah. Oh I, uh, god, that'll be a crazy miniseries. <laughs> it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. I actually thought Scott until you said zombies, I thought you were going to say the monster of this movie was the Queen Anne's Revenge. 
Oh. Yeah. That's how much of a non-entity the zombies are to me. Yes, the zombie officers are very much a non-entity, um, but they're like voodoo zombies, so they all have like weird scarring um, and white eyes, but they seem to be like mostly intelligent, more intelligent than you would expect like zombies. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know, they can take orders and- One can create yeah. prophecies. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, so yeah, so Blackbeard for some reason is really into voodoo. That's- what they decided, but also in addition to the voodoo magic, he also has the sword of Triton, which allows him to control his ship. Wait, when did they say the sword of Triton? At some point in the <laughs> like, at some point in the movie, they did because I have it written down. Okay, they said okay, sword of Triton. Okay. I don't remember, but I trust sword you. Of Triton, I don't know. It could be not to be confused with the Triton of. Poseidon, Poseidon, which is in the next movie. <laughs> oh, that was this King is the Triton, sword from, of Triton <laughs> from Little Mermaid. We did it. Yeah, yeah not the yeah. trident of Poseidon. Um, yes. Anyway, no, <sighs> distinct difference. So, <laughs> uh, what do you think, Scott? What, what do you think of Ian McShane as Blackbeard? Um, Amazing casting. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I was. I, I, was, know, I like. I, was him. I like Ian McShane. I think he fits well in this. Oeuvre. I think mm-hmm. he feel, fits well in the franchise. Um, uh, Phil, I know. Yeah. I know uh, Blackbeard was in your pitch. Did you have a an idea of someone that you wanted to play Blackbeard? No, no, no. Okay. no because like this is you know this is something you have to find the right guy. Right. However, Ian McShane, fantastic casting yeah. in this film, but just like uh, it's just so he's doing wasted. his best though. He's really he's bringing yeah. it. I'll he kind of. He kind of reminds me of what Phil said about the Terminator X or TX, where mm-hmm. he feels like a lateral move. Yes. After Davy Jones. He's... After Davy, no, after Davy Jones, he feels lateral with, with Barbosa. Mm-hmm. I feel like Davy yeah. Jones was like a real step up in like, right. well, he's yeah. a monster and, and like, you know. He's... But he's also like a gothic romantic lover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had a lot going on, and yeah. then we and then we're like, this guy is more like Barbo. He's not cursed, but he like does curses because he's. Like, I'm an asshole. Magic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. He's the pirates. All pirates fear. Yeah, I don't think I'm glad we have that dialogue in there, yeah. so we could know because otherwise we would. I, I don't think a strong enough point is made because I thought, oh, that's a, such an interesting idea that he zombifies his officers because right. to me, being a pirate is all about ultimate autonomy ultimate Mm -hmm. free will do whatever i want so a pirate that zombifies his crew and takes away their free will is super interesting but i don't you i almost get the sense the movie didn't realize that or notice that 100 percent 100 percent it didn't realize that (laughs) because if they had they would have drawn a straight line from that to barbosa working for the military like there's a a theme there guys like you just you just let it like just evaporate into the ether. <laughs> and just in case I forget, but to skip all the way to the end, what's the first thing Barbosa does when he's captain again? Boys, we're going to Tortuga. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Yay. Mm. Yay. Yeah. Vacation. <laughs> um, so, so Jack leads a mutiny and yes. uh, Blackbeard has magic ropes because uh, he controls the ship with his sword. So he ropes up everybody, and uh, and then he's like, well, I can't kill all of you because then I won't have a crew. So uh, we got to have a martyr, everybody. 
Um, so we're going to pick the cook. We're going to send him out on a boat. And then using some technology that I do not understand, we're going to have flamethrowers <laughs> flame on the edge of my wooden boat uh, that are going <laughs> to shoot out at this at this little boat and kill this guy. Um, yeah. And it happens twice. Yeah, he does it again. He does it twice. In the same scene. Just got to make sure he got him. Just, just a waste of a dinghy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You're right. You're right. Um, guys, honestly, like that compared to anything we've seen in one, two, or three, it was just like this has this can't be four hundred million. Oh, this I can't see. Be <laughs> yeah, this can't be the most. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look great. Yeah. There is a lot of this movie shot on water at night, where it is <laughs> obvious. That they are yes. in a tank in a studio. Set. Yes, in like a stu- yes. Like they're like they don't even try to hide it. They're like, yeah, obviously, yeah. that's where we are. And I'm just like, why does this movie cost so much money? I know it looks like the Doctor Who episode with the pirates. It does. Yes, it does. Right, yeah, where it's at night. And you know what's so jarring is we do see, uh, and we'll get to it at the very end. We do get open, clearly Caribbean water or Hawaiian water, yeah. and it's sure. beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, that there it is. But during this section, where yeah. we are, we are in a we are in a tank on a soundstage. So, uh, but so Ian McShane, kind of to Blackbeard's credit, he's sensible enough to be like, I know that these pirates were just the sheep, but you, Sparrow, are the shepherd. Mm-hmm. What's what's the deal? What's up? Mm-hmm. What are you what are you doing on my boat? Right. Um. So, Blackbeard, he makes a little voodoo doll. Yes. Of. of uh, of Captain Jack um, that feels like it should be at every treated Disney, as yeah. an important thing. Um, but I don't think it is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know for sure. I haven't seen the next movie. So, you know, um, maybe it comes s- back, but I don't think it does. Did you mm. see the post credit scene of this movie? Yes, I know. Okay, cool. That's okay, what I yeah. mean. That's what I oh, mean. It's okay, like, okay. It seems like it's going to be important, <laughs> but uh-huh. I don't think yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. Right, Nick? Yeah. Well, right? Penelope yeah. Cruz definitely yeah. isn't in the next yeah. one. So I'll just say that. um so anyway oh um, well so sparrow makes the claim that uh angelica is not blackbeard's daughter right right she's lying Mm -hmm. um and uh and then he like absentmindedly makes a voodoo doll of him and stabs him in the heart a couple times yeah makes a a trident symbol yeah puts the trident symbol on his on his chest um what, what? How does that? In what way does that get paid off? Does that get paid off at all? I don't know. In fact, I will. I totally forgot that. Yeah, I will. I <laughs> yeah. will bet money. I know. I say. I feel like I say this a lot weirdly on the show. Um, that if you see him shirtless in five, he won't have that scar on him. <laughs> keep keep your eyes peeled. Okay. I would bet that we do not see him shirtless in that movie for. Uh, right. o- old, Ever. old, old man puffy reasons. I don't think we're gonna see that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Just a lot um, of wine sloshing around in there. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. So this is where we learn that the fountain uh, ritual requires a victim, and uh, which which immediately just is like, well, okay, then I'm not interested. Like, <laughs> it's like a victim. <laughs> I would never, not an innocent. Um, this is also where we yeah. learn that, <laughs> that Blackbeard collects ships, shrinks them down, and puts them into bottles like Brainiac uh, collects cities. 
throughout the stars. Wow. <laughs> yeah, what'd you think of that? So, yeah, so he just has a bunch of ships in the bottle that are all real ships that he defeated. Yeah. And, and um, chunked down somehow, it's okay. I guess, using his voodoo magic. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's kind of um, cool. This, but... this kind of reminds me the most of like an anime or a video game. Just yeah. in the way that items and stuff are acquired by different characters. Because like Gibbs ends up stealing all the sh- all the ships in a bottle. And mm-hmm. that just seems like a total like, like D&D move. Yeah. Yeah. In general, I think this movie suffers from... Too many things because I mean a lot of these most of these movies suffer from too many things, but like items. this one in particular, yeah, this one in particular is like okay. So once he finds out that there's a victim involved in the Fountain of Youth, you can't have him be interested anymore, or he's not a hero, right? So we have to keep we have to come up with a reason to keep him around. Well, what if Blackbeard has the pearl? Well, how the hell does Blackbeard have a whole other ship? Well, what if he collects ships and he puts them into bo- he shrinks them down and puts them into bottles? Jesus. Oh, that's how we'll keep Jack involved in the story because oh, he wants man. to get the pearl back, and the only way to do that is to keep going on this journey with Blackbeard. Boom, problem solved. And it's like, is it though, dude? Is it yeah. though, <laughs> dude? Yeah, this is not the this is the wrong way. Well, and and, it's, oh and Jack's an interesting character because, like, what does Jack Sparrow caring about something look like? Right. Like, I think Black Pearl did a really good job of showing that this character can be lackadaisical and aloof, but still have this, like, super want and, like, thirst for freedom that I think is what people found so engaging about the character in 2003. Yeah. Um, Yeah. See, the thing that I liked about Jack in the first movie and his moral compass, right? Now he just has a literal compass that he just points at shit and goes there. Exactly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to to find what his heart really wants. Um, but in the first movie, his moral compass was, I'm a pirate and I'm going to do pirate shit all the time. But I draw the line at slavery because the whole point of being a pirate is being free. So I really don't like slavery. And so if I come across mm. slavery, that's my moral line that I do not cross. And I will stop. I will go to the ends of the earth to stop you from owning people. Right. That makes perfect yeah. sense to me. Yeah. Now, it makes perfect now sense. Now here, he sees a zombified officers, and he's like, well, we should kill those things. And <laughs> Great. <laughs> we should kill those things. And also, like, you're telling me there's a victim when I, when I uh, gain eternal youth? Uh, I don't think that's a, that's a line too far. And it's just all these things where it's like, he's a really good guy underneath it all, isn't he? And it's like, no, he's not. He has one <laughs> thing that he doesn't do. One thing. And that's takes autonomy from human beings. That's the one thing he won't do. And yeah. and this movie is like, well, no, there's actually lots of things that he won't do because he's really a hero. It's like, no, he's not. He's a pirate. Great. Yeah. But perfect. Yeah, but still will like has but still will like, you know, betray Gibbs or like, you know, we we learned that he like left Angelica at the altar. Or not all, you know, but kind of left her high and dry after like leading her away from her faith. Yeah. 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 Um so we get the um, the machinations of like, oh, is this is this, is this mermaid? Yeah. Okay. So listeners, in order to so there's have we learned about the two chalices yet? The two cups? No, we learned mm. that with 
uh, Barbosa. Because here's the thing. We keep cutting back to Barbosa leading a military ship. That's when he crosses paths with the Spaniards. And it's like, oh, I guess they're yeah. on the hunt too. And then we learn about this the This movie the flows so well. I think in that one of those scenes. <laughs> but every time we cut back to Barbosa, I was just like, I don't care about this. And I hate that I don't care about a scene with Barbosa in it. Um, but... Man, yeah, I don't care. Exactly. Holy and like shit. Exactly. <laughs> and I think if you like your your yeah. idea of if he was really trying to make it work mm-hmm. and every scene of him was his inner pirate intuition being stopped by this new rule system that he's chosen to live under yes. and realizing that that's bullshit, but yes. Instead, it plays exactly like a scene that Barbosa on the Pearl would except right. instead of pirates it's like boring navy people. Right. It's it's kind of the equivalent. It's like the cringy equivalent of him being like in disguise wearing a dress, you know, like, yeah, of, yeah. of, of just like of just like, oh, don't mind me. Like, I'm just minding yeah. my own business. That would uh, be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just very well, silly. Now that you mentioned it, yeah. And it never takes itself seriously in any of these scenes. And it's trying to convince me to, but it just doesn't it doesn't play. Um, and honestly, it's not even giving Jeffrey uh, uh, Rush. Uh, Jeffrey Rush anything new Rush. to do, you know, because he's still just playing Barbosa, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if he had to sort of like try to figure out, well, who was Barbosa before he started like talking like a pirate, you know, like <laughs> and like what what yeah. what did he sound like before all of that, you know, and like try to figure that out and have him sort of go down that path of like I'm going to be try to be a proper English gentleman and uh, an officer yeah. of the law <sighs> and these things, and then at the end giving all of that up and returning to just being Captain Barbosa, oh, hoist the colors and all that. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It would have been awesome. It would have been. It would have been great. Yeah. It, yeah. I totally agree. Anyway. I don't think anybody reading the script was like, I think I'm going to think about this more than <laughs> just memorizing the lines. Um, well, but, but, the, but the problem with the whole, the whole script thing is just like this is what happens when you put the cart before the horse with a release date. You know? It's like they had the Lone yeah. Ranger that they were having to deal with. They were developing that while developing this. You know, and then it's like, well, we're going to have this release date and this is what you're going to do. Even though we know your heart is in the Lone Ranger, that's what you actually want to be focusing on. We're going to make you hit the brakes on that and just focus on this. So then it's like homework. So it's like, okay, well. We got to make a Pirates 4. This. Yeah. This movie, like, that's what I, like, I watched the movie with my friend Luke, who uh, who never wanted to see this film again. (laughs) Uh, But he did. Because he was he was a he was a good friend, you know. He he didn't let me watch this stuff like about Josh myself. Gibbs. And, <laughs> <laughs> like Josh Gibbs, and like Josh Gibbs, and he and I just said like this is this is this is kind of like paycheck the movie right here. That's what I'm feeling mm-hmm. at the moment. And I know it's a bit of a stereotype to be saying that, but you know, it just really every scene so far that we've been through you know talking about just has been. It just feels like it's an individual scene that they kind of slotted together and somehow it sort of works you can you you you're getting through it but it's it's so difficult well, Phil, to look at uh way back in episode 1 of the black pearl i i asked the listeners to keep two words in mind during this adventure and those words were energy and intention mm-hmm. mm. and mm. and throughout the sequels i was getting a lot of energy but then intention you know like I think intention was still there, but compared to the first one of like, let's, we're going to revitalize the pirate genre. 
and everyone's really excited to be here. And Gore Verbinski's like, I love these movies and they don't exist anymore. And I'm going to make one and you're all going to help me. And everyone was like, yeah, Tortuga. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) and compare that to now where, like Scott said, it is kind of like, well, we, we have to make this. It, it's it's coming out. Let's let's try and make something good, I guess. Because like, why we're not going to make some something bad on purpose? But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's like yeah. what is it? What is it, all any of these artists trying to do at this point besides just get the job done? Right, that's what it feels like, dude. It really does. We weren't trying to make a movie. We were trying to make a deadline. <laughs> yeah. right. right, a release right. date. Yeah. So we get so we learn about the silver chalices. There's two of them. The way that this works is that you drink water from the fountain of youth one like water in each chalice yes and one of the chalices gets the teardrop of a mermaid and so now the person who drinks the chalice with the mermaid tear takes away the life force of the person who drinks it without the mermaid tear so you have to like actually get somebody to drink it like you you can't just like yeah yeah it's it's, like a ceremony weird yeah it's a weird ceremony thing and it's explained Um, through one of the most like just shameless mm-hmm. like you know when you're when you're writing something you're like well i can't just have a scene where angelica just tells jack how the thing works and jack just like and then what do you do why do you need that <laughs> and right that's exactly what happens and yeah. it was kind of yes. dumbfounding yeah yeah um yes. I remember. so you have to catch a mermaid because then they got to make you cry um and <laughs> oh, oh man and so we get this scene uh, of them like singing, and this is the, this is the the musical bit that I was talking about yeah. earlier. Well, not just yeah. anyone singing, Scott. It's all right. Scrum, Scrum, gun yep. to my head, scrum. gun to my head. If you would have been like, "What's his name, Scott?" <laughs> would have been able to come up with it. Well, what do you mean, Scott? It's Scrum. Clearly, I think I would have called him like like my... sc- Scrim or Scrub yeah. <laughs> or something like that. I never would have came Hello. up with Scrum. It's me, Scrum. Just popping in to say, hope you're enjoying the show. Yeah. So he's he's I love Scrum. He he sings, everyone else joins in. This attracts the mermaids to them who are more like sirens in this mm-hmm. version of mermaids. And uh I, and, and, yeah, I like the part where them into the yeah. water to eat them, I guess. I like yes. the part where Scrum's like, "Look, I I everybody <laughs> dies, but let it be said that old Scrum died good in the first base with a mermaid." <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Good That's work. Scr- that's scrum for you. Yeah. That's um that's scrum. So then for we get ya. this whole mermaid action sequence where they attack yeah. the boat and then they all go to dry land and there's guys waiting with nets and then they all get attacked by like hundreds of mermaids. They like, have like shooting yeah. through the water like torpedoes. Yeah. Like, yes. Ju- launching out of the water and grabbing people. But mm-hmm. then did you notice their like rope vine power that they have? I think it's their hair. Oh, their hair. I think so. I think it was the ropes. Is it rope? What ropes? Like scorpion, like it shoots out of their hand. Really? I don't yeah. know. I wish I, it was their hair, I but know, like, I, don't... I, I, I don't remember it being their well, hair. It was also at night. I really don't. Yeah. So it was yeah. super. Like, you can barely yeah. tell. You can barely see any of it. Honestly, um, it's very muddy. And I was just very annoyed. Very annoyed re- at this action sequence. Yeah. Like, I'm. I'm sorry. No, I'm no, sorry, please. Nick. Uh, like, because. It's like the typical thing, you know, like I thought that they would, you know, do you have, a, you had an opportunity 
to have like mermaids and you could make them creepy. You could make them like just silently take them down into the water, you know, and, and they would, you know, like they would be so entranced that they would go with it. You know what I mean? And it would be you could do something very unique and like kind of more horrific with it. Yeah. But instead, it just turns into the, you know, sharp teeth. Here we go. I do believe that if Gore Rabinsky had directed this movie, it would be way more what you're talking about, Phil, because he, yeah. he definitely like. You know, say what you will about the sequels and the confusing nature of the narrative in the sequels. He's really good at making action sequences work and make them feel like something you've never seen before. Um, Yeah, he's very inventive. He he could have taken the concept of like, oh, mermaids, like attracting people. And he's so good at finding like a gruesome, like their teeth would have come out of their like mouth backwards or something gross. Yeah, 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 Yeah. something. Um, But Phil, you made a point of like doing the score and you're right. Like, at the, kind of a depressing moment watching this movie is realizing that they're just reusing music pieces yep. from the trilogy and just dropping it indeterminately. Of yep. like, I, yeah, that used to, that totally used to be Barbosa's crew theme, but now it's just like dun 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 dun. Whenever anything dramatic happens, yeah, and they use it in that. Yeah, yeah there we go. And then yeah, there was so many of that, and you know, it's funny. I'm bringing back my friend Luke again. He said he enjoys listening to the fourth one because it's like the greatest hits. You just listen to it, and it's like you got all the good points in in one song. And <laughs> from all the three, and movies. you have the uh, the Rodrigo de Gabriela like Spanish guitar stuff, Dude, which is really cool. I love the Spanish guitar stuff, and I was so shocked that that came up because talking about my own film again. That was like one of the first things I thought of. I was like, if there was a Spanish guitar with the pirates, then it'll be the best thing. Put them in Spain, you know? And I thought, and, and, (laughs) and I was, and I actually made my own track. I didn't do the guitar. I just found like my, my brother does the guitar. So I I asked him to do it and I wanted to, I made something like that very similarly. This was way back before this movie came out. But then when the movie came out and I'm like, ah, but it's so good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. You really were like pulling from the same energy. Right? Yeah. yeah, there's some there's some similarities here. I mean, I didn't have mermaids though. Uh this one sure does. Uh Oh my this, god. This you one know sure we does. Haven't talked about literally until this moment. Is no, I know. I was going to bring okay. I was waiting oh, I was waiting for as long as possible before we absolutely had to bring him up because <laughs> and it, this is it. That's oh, kind of a point. Um, okay. So <laughs> yeah, but, they they capture a mermaid because of someone's help. Yeah, so so this is when we meet uh Philip um who is Played by Sam Caflin, hey, um, yes. who I actually like a lot. I like Sam Caflin. I yeah. think he's good. Right. Um, and of all of the actors that they tried to make happen in like the mm. mid to early aught two thousands, this I think he was one of the best of those guys that they like tried to make happen. Um, I like him a lot. I liked him in. Um, I liked him in the first season of Game of Thrones. I liked him in. Um, uh, Hunger Games sequels. He's, a, he's, he's in Deadpool, right? Um, he's the villain in Deadpool. Oh, he, I think he's... it's a different hot British guy. Oh, right. Is that's, that right? <laughs> that's Eddie Jacks is in Ed Screen. Oh, right. Wow, they he's look in a Peaky lot Blinders. Alike. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, Sam Caflin. I like Sam he, he, Caflin. You know what Sam um, Caflin uses in the Hunger Games he sequels? He uses a trident. Yeah, he sure does. Oh wow. Um, so this is. So here, here's my heartbreaking thing about, about Sam Ca- Okay, so <laughs> Sam Caflin meets a mermaid, and he's like, wow, you're really pretty and cool. And, you can't be evil. And, you're hot. Yeah, and I, and I feel bad that they're treating you so poorly. And she's like, I feel bad that you're being treated so poorly. And so they, they kind of like low-key fall in love, right? 
That's like their story. And I'm so pissed off because there's something really good and juicy and big and epic and romantic here. But I don't give a shit about any of it because they like they literally just strap him to a pole for half of the movie. Like he has been on Blackbeard's ship this whole time, but he tried to be to say to some, like a crew member, "Have you heard of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ?" And they're like, "Put him on the yeah. pole. Just stick him on the mast, and like let's get rid of him." So he's been on the mast this whole time because he had the audacity to like try and like you know Christianize somebody on this ship, mm-hmm. and he was finally let down. Uh, when they get to the island to get the mermaids. And now he's in the rest of the movie being like very gentlemanly and he's trying to be like the the Orlando Bloom character in this movie of like, mm. oh, a good man and like whatever. But like, if you take away the religious aspect of him, like remove that from the character entirely um, <clears throat> and then just have him be like the Orlando Bloom character and then you've got the Jack Sparrow character, Jack Sparrow character with... Um, with Angelica and you've got the Barbosa character with Blackbeard and then you have this mermaid romance. There's a fucking movie here, like a really good movie. There's like good shit in here, but you, you put Jack in it and it spoils everything. Um, because that's so funny. He has to be the protagonist, but the problem is he has no arc in this movie. Nothing. He starts and ends the movie in the exact same place. Um, and As a result of that, it's just like every like it's just the movie is just full of characters that I don't give a shit about despite wanting to. Because the movie is like teaching me that the only person I should care about is Jack, but I don't care about him either because he's an asshole. So, like, you know, it's it really annoys the shit out of me. Um, Right. I, I, I feel like a nice Marty the Fly there. Missed opportunity of a movie. I feel like there's a really good Pirates of the Caribbean like reboot in this movie if you remove Jack out of it. Right. But that yeah. was just like yeah. unthinkable in 20, 2010, 2011. Yeah. Like, whoa, we can't make a Pirates movie without Jack. Jack isn't a pirate. Like, he's not from the ride. Like, he is now because you put him in there. But like, he wasn't at the time. Like, just make another pirate movie. Call it Pirates of the Caribbean. You don't need Jack. Like, you could just make a cool pirate movie. Penelope Cruz is doing a great job. And, like, mm-hmm. maybe without Jack, she would have had, like, the freedom to get a little more weird with the character and been, like, a little more fun. I don't know. I don't know. Phil, anyway. any any opinion on Philip, the missionary? I forgot he was in the movie until you mentioned yeah. him again. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just kind of, like, I, I, I feel you. I sense your frustration, Scott, because what we now enter... And I don't we don't need to get super into the plot of this because no. it, it like like Phil said, it is so meandery. And yet this easily could and should have been the best pirate movie because it's a fucking treasure hunting movie. Yeah. They're just Hell looking yeah. for they're looking for the treasure on an island the whole time. Yeah. And and yeah. like I know. it's difficult to even pinpoint. There's just so much, yeah, like they're walking and you don't care about it. They're yeah, talking. they're walking and they're talking and you don't care about any of the machinations or plotting or betrayals like you did in the trilogy because like they're just, yeah, you don't care about these characters the way that you cared about Elizabeth and Will and Norrington. Yeah. And, and it's because Jack gets in the way of all of that because Jack being the protagonist of this movie means that we have to spend the first act with him. Right. 
and get to know like where he's at as a character. Except he's not going to have a character arc, so we're wasting our time in the first act learning anything about him because it's not like he's going to change or grow, right? So that's why he's a better like supporting character. If maybe we could find a role for him as a supporting character, but the character we should have been following from the beginning is either Sam Caflin's character or Angelica's character. Yeah. That's it. Those are that's who we should have been following in Act One. That's what makes the first pirates work is that that Jack is not the protagonist. Orlando Bloom is the protagonist. You know, like that's how like Orlando Bloom and 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 Elizabeth like they are the protagonists of mm. that first film. Um, and it's that's who we should be spending time with is non pirates and like <laughs> you know or or people who aren't in the pirate life yet or are trying to get out yeah. of the pirate life or something. But Jack is just like, at this point, it's just like, well, I, I, I lost another boat and I got to find another boat and another crew because that's all I ever yeah. do. Um, it sucks. Yeah. Anyway. Something that doesn't <laughs> suck. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rather fond of the uh, tilting ship on a hill sequence with Barbosa and Jack. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the only, it might be the only scene from the ride here which is the the guy in bed with the magnifying glass looking at the map yeah that was a reference i I noticed that one um yeah it's a reference and not only that but like the um famously the skull and crossbones behind him on the bed are the only real skull the real bones like real human bones in the ride everything else is artificial but the bones on the bed in the disneyland version of the ride um those are real human remains (laughs) Wow, it's a, a real human, yeah. part of a human corpse. So it's very that nice. scene is very famous for that fact. Um, right, right. Did you right. know, Jack? That's a real person's bones on the when they're <laughs> together. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's great. They get, yeah, so why didn't they that get the, the the chalices? Well, they find out that the Spaniards already got them because they replaced them with rocks. Which is why did they replace? Why did they who? <laughs> Why do they How replace do they them with rocks? There? Like why? Like just take them. Like I just, like what's the? Well, then that would then then, then they couldn't leave because the ship is still level, right? Because the 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 weight hasn't changed. Oh, that's how that that's what was happening there. Okay, I, I think. I I I don't think they thought of that, but I think that's, that's a pretty good loophole okay. there. Like that's good. Um, it patches itself that up. Is a fun idea. If that is what they're going for. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, sometimes I would snap out of myself and be like. Wait, when did they get captured? Why are they tied to a tree? Like, ah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Spanish are really. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. I like I like how our our plot synopsis <laughs> is of, just turning into the movie. Yeah. It's like remembering. A, <laughs> it's like yeah, how the night before. Right. Um. So anyway, yada yada yada. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, uh, they get the chalices. Ja- back. Yeah, they, they get, get the, the chalices. chalices they have the they have the chalices. They have the the mermaid teardrop. They got everything they need. Um, uh, the the mermaid uh, Serena. She crashes out of her like glass coffin that they made for her. Right. Yeah. Now she like has legs, so she could theoretically yeah. walk. But instead of walking because she can't really walk well, um, Sam Caflin's character uh, uh, picks her up and holds her and carries her around. Um, yep. Which, okay. Um, and, uh, uh, it's just really odd because I'm like, well, if she's not going to walk, then what's the point of her now having legs? Like, why did we spend time on this scene? Mm-hmm. Like, why did we give her legs if she's not going to use those legs? 
Like, what was the purpose of that? I think they were just tired of animating the fin. I think you're right. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was racking my brain right now, but they had four hundred million dollars. Right? Yeah. Though, you know? yeah. Your I guess they bought this yeah. island. That must be why. They actually, oh, okay, that that's why it costs so now. much. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. Um, yeah, no, like, I, like, I'm. I'm I'm Please. I'm entirely convinced that this island is a soundstage. Um, I don't think any of it is real. That's so. Funny. Um, we get the uh, the he, like he comes across he comes across the um, so so he gives Gibbs the the compass because he's yes. like this will this will lead you to to something we want to find and he's like what and he's like just go and he's like okay so then that's the last <laughs> we hear of Gibbs until of the very end of the movie mm-hmm. um, and then and then Jack goes with them. And they find the the water leaf, the leaf with the water drop, the CGI water drop that's going up instead of down. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this must be the place. So they go into a cave and they see like this water forms on the ceiling. And so Mm -hmm. he gets gets, uh, Scrum. Yeah. Is that his name? Scrum. Gets Scrum to give him a boost. And he (laughs) goes in there and then they all follow suit and they're in the cave. The secret, magical, mystical cave with the Fountain of Youth. Yes, um, and this is our this is our sort of like third act set piece is the Fountain of Youth Cave. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Spanish arrive, and to my from my perspective, we learned that they are not actually there to find the Fountain of Youth. They find it heretical, and they're there to destroy the whole temple in God's name. Yes, which is yes fascinating. Um, yeah. I like the moment where the British guy is like, I proclaim this land in the name of King George. And then like they just shoot him. But yeah. then he's like, someone yeah. note that man's bravery. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Uh, what do we think of this so, final oh, sword yeah. fight? Oh, please. There was this stupid piece of exposition earlier where uh. Barbosa and Jack are crawling around on the gr- ground. And Jack goes, your sword smells funny. And, and Barbosa's like, what? oh, that's because of all the poisonous frogs I've been stabbing. And he's like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> or, okay, weird. Oh, okay, those can you, poisonous can you point frogs. that somewhere else? He's like, sure thing. And then we're like, okay, that was a weird conversation. And then we learn later that um, in a sword, in this big sword fight that we get with like the Spaniards and, and, and Blackbeard's crew and like everybody sword fighting, mm-hmm. uh, Blackbeard gets yeah. stabbed with Barbosa's poison sword. And- stabbed in the back. <laughs> like. Yes. That's what's so cool about Barbosa, and it's not even like that much of an honorable fight. <laughs> he like right, he just runs him through. Yeah, when when he's yeah. when he's safe. Hell yeah! Take that's chance, right. I've been stabbing it. all them now. frogs, Jack. To poison you see, me, blade. that would have been that would have been a really great moment of like, and and the, so that would have been number one. That would have been a really great moment to like. Bring Barbosa back into piracy, mm-hmm. where it's just like you see a, a a sword come through Blackbeard's back, and then you cut you like you do like a like a, a, yeah, a, a pan up or yeah, whatever yeah yeah a pan up or like a like a cross. Um, uh, uh, and we get we get Barbosa, and he like sounds like a pirate again, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just like that would have been like a really cool moment. I but know. Like, also, I know. Is the poison necessary if he's literally running I was him gonna through? S- I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. Did it kill him faster? Yeah, I don't know. All those all those scenes that we had of Barbosa going, wait, stop. <laughs> that's uh that that's a little that's a little that's a little frog there. Let, let me put the frog in yeah. let, let me put the frog in the jar because I'm collecting the frogs because I'm, you know, poison and then here's my poison blade <laughs> and then he just stabs it. It's rough. It's a rough time. Um, um, 
so and then oh. Angelica cuts her hand with the sword so yes. that she's poisoned also. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then I, I couldn't trace yeah. the, please. Yeah. So then Jack ends up like in his typical, like chaos, God fashion, chaos, mm-hmm. trickster, God fashion ends up with the, with the mermaid tear and the chalices. And then he goes over and he puts the water in the two and the mermaid tear and the, and he yeah. brings it over to Blackbeard and Angelica and he tells them both to drink. Blackbeard takes the one with the tear and drinks it. Turns out he. He did the old uh switchy yeah. Yeah, the old the old switcheroo, switcheroo. the old uh 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 yeah. Um Sicilian uh, switcheroo. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> and uh uh Blackbeard uh gets gets got. Um and Angelica uh, gains all of his remaining. Gets got. Members, which what? I can only assume is like 5. Um <laughs> well, that was a weird twist. Is well, it's not immortality. You get all of the years of the person who drank from the other cup. Right. That's very different than you get to live forever. Right. Yeah. That means yeah. you get to live another 40, 50 years tops unless you're killing like a child right. or a turtle. Oh yeah. Orlando Bloom. <laughs> Will, Will got a better deal than that. Will's yeah. going to live forever. Yeah, he did. And once oh, burying people to the dead, yeah. the other side. Yeah. What was the relationship between Angelica and Blackbeard? Were they not father and daughter? No, yeah, oh, yeah, they were. But like, what? Like, like she was so loyal to him, but also like it's kind of implied that she is lying, that she's not really yeah. his biological daughter, yeah. but maybe just fell in love with him while being his first mate. Not not yeah, like see, not like you know platonic love, like not like yeah, romantic yeah, yeah. love. Well, see, this is this is exactly what I'm talking about with like her needing to be the protagonist of this movie, or like her and Sam Kathlin being the protagonist of this movie, because like I want to know those things. I want to know <laughs> her machinations. I want to know why she's making these choices and doing these things. But there's no time for that because we got to give Jack stuff to do because that's mm. all anyone cares about, um, and. They're wrong, and it mm-hmm. sucks. Um, Phil, did your pirates had like a a cool supporting cast for Jack Sparrow to like hang on? I, I'm glad you I'm glad you asked, and I'm really sorry it was so quiet. It's just that, that this ending scene is just so is is such a slog. I don't remember anything really. It was so it just went off so fast. I don't know. Yeah, um, I was gonna bring that up because I didn't want to argue about it, but I was gonna say that um, I felt that. A character like Jack Sparrow, uh, and you're right, he can't be a main character because that's not the archetype that he sort of fits into, right? But I do think that uh, if you have different, colorful enough characters with enough motivation to do certain things, triangulating around him to kind of make a proxy of a main character or a straight Uh man for him to bounce off of, I think that that kind of can substitute having a main character because in the story that I was developed, developed whatever, um, he definitely was a character that was still along for the ride, but there was a but there was still a part of him that had that had something that would be emotionally. Uh, sincere uh that we didn't see from him before Mm -hmm. 
you know, and I feel like that's kind of the only way way you can take the character somewhere mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. I think because like we've seen Jack in these three movies, uh, be the Jack Sparrow that we all you know know and love, but we we need to see something. Maybe he has some sort of a sentimental part that you know that, and I think that that sort of would be would be able to kind of make right. the movie work but i don't know because you know it's all yeah. a concept and oh, you know you you don't yeah you well you gave space. not to get into but detail but you said that like you know because of uh almost kind of like voldemort blackbeard's bones have been scattered so like his spirit had manifested in the form of like yes. a young girl or like a, a young yeah. woman and jack is really drawn to her like simplicity and naivete and that kind of draws yeah. new emotions the, out of him yeah and it draws something yeah and that would kind of be like a uh, a sub like a subplot to the you know to the to the story and I feel like I mean I think that it's probably good to have some kind of since like some kind of vulnerability and sincerity to a character that we normally don't uh, want to believe has that yeah. sort of thing it honestly kind of reminded me and oh, the fact that what well, no, honestly kind of reminded me just like from the, the concept art and stuff it was like almost like she would he would be like the imaginary friend protector of this character like guardian who jack, jack to the her. girl uh maybe the other oh, okay. way around because like because the, the fact is that this girl in this uh-huh. is a plot twist in the movie is that she's actually the life force for blackbeard and they have to they have to merge together right. because you know it's like uh, by the way i just want to say that this story doesn't have we didn't you know we never had the uh, time to actually like foolproof any of the connecting uh-huh. dots you know we, we could so you can you can poke holes in it but like we tried our best you know Absolutely. 10 years ago uh and we never wrote a script either this was all meant to just kind of be like uh like a, a beat outline mm-hmm. uh, the final thing that we wanted to do was just a beat outline and we'll go ahead with it you know once we made the movie <laughs> and do the script um but yeah uh what were we what were we talking about getting? Well, I guess uh, well so you know we're talking about like the supporting characters and I just I, I have uh, a yes. question. Um does the mermaid Serena just drown Philip at the end? Cuz the last time we see them is I was wondering they that swim too. away, but I'm like he can't breathe down there. Where are they going? I but she keeps saying that she can save him and I'm I'm assuming that in this world mermaids are not creatures but in fact like magical curses of some sort and she's going to like turn him into a merman that's my mm-hmm. assumption of what's about to well, happen. good what i'm glad he's got that fate come yeah well that's good yeah. that's good hope he turns into the cabin in the that's woods good. mermaid yeah yeah oh man i gotta see that movie again. um so 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 jack so made angelica killer dad <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So Jack, Jack made Angelica kill her dad. She's real mad about that. Um, and then he maroons her on a on an island and gives her uh, gives her a gun with one shot in it. And he's like, "Good luck." Um, and then he leaves, just like James and, Bond. Uh, yeah, Barbosa. Barbosa <laughs> takes over the revenge, um, and now he has the 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 trident, sort of trident, triton. Yeah, sort of tri- triton. Yeah. Turns out Blackbeard had Barbosa's hat this whole time. Yeah. How did that happen? Because he took the pearl. He just had them? Oh, right. right. Um, was that Will Poulter? I didn't look it up, but the little boy pirate looked like Will Poulter. Oh, I don't know. 
No idea. Will Porter's from Will Poulter's Wait, from where? Uh, he's the kid from Where the Millers. He's uh, it's going to be Adam Warlock. He was the video game programmer in Bandersnatch. Oh yeah, Will Porter. Okay, now I got it. Now I got it. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let's see. So Gibbs, he went and retrieved the pearl. So he's got the bottle pearl, and he's like, "So how are we going to get this out of here?" And they're like, "I don't know." And so they're like, "Cool, <laughs> that's yeah, it. That's it." And then he's like. <laughs> uh, Pirates Life for me, savvy, and then directed by Rob Marshall. Like this movie, I like, want to die really quick. Yeah, like yeah. His final line of the movie is like, so you know, going back to what you guys have been saying this whole time is like his arc at the end of the movie is like, Jack, how come you didn't take for the fountain of youth? You could live forever. Like, nope, I like being a pirate. The yeah. end. The end. that's it. He- It'll always be a pirate's life. You could have even <laughs> savvy. You, you could have even like come up with some kind of arc about him being like afraid of dying or something, and then like I don't know, yeah. accepting death or something at a certain because he's, yeah. he's a fifty-year-old yeah. man and a right in, in like the seventeen hundreds. Right, right. Like you could have. There's a well, million I, things you could have done. That was the thing in in my in the story that I was doing. It was like it was it was meant to be kind of like a cap uh, off of like the lead like who Jack Sparrow is and what he's going to leave behind. That was another idea we yeah. had with that. Yeah. Like that was kind of going to be the theme. The theme was going to be sort of like just let's leave. Let, what are we leaving behind, and what is Jack Sparrow going to leave right. behind? You know, that was the kind of thing that I wanted to do, and I felt like that would like. There's an opportunity for a sequel, but like at the end of the day, we want to kind of cap mm-hmm. that off because you told the trilogy, you told the story, and how long, how much longer is this series gonna last? <laughs> you know, let's just, let's just, let's just let it, let it leave gracefully. Let it, let it get, let it give us, give us some yeah. heart as well. Nothing gr- leaves gracefully anymore, Phil. Um, yeah. Yeah. You the know, only one, the only one that left gracefully and will probably stay that way is Back to the Future. <laughs> Until uh, Robert Zemeckis is dead. Yeah, until until Zemeckis no. is dead and Bob Gale says finally, and then makes a fourth movie. No, <laughs> he ain't no, getting any debtor. he wouldn't. He wouldn't do oh, that, yeah, would he? A hundred percent. He would. I think so. But no. but I, I don't think he'll die before Zemeckis. Unfortunately, like I just I just don't. Um, so I think. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so you know, it's it's uh, just like I. You know, there's that part in three where Barbo- Barbosa and Jack are, are, are looking upon the cor- the corpse of the Kraken washed up on the beach. And yeah. Like, oh, my God. This beautiful, horrible, mythic thing is now just another carcass on the beach. Yeah. And, you know, Jack has that line of like, no, the world's the same size. There's just less in it. Yeah. Less yeah. in it. And now we look at the Pirates franchise and this is the most expensive movie ever made. Mm-hmm. And yet it's. <sighs> doing and saying a fraction of what even the sequels like Dead Man's Chestnut World's End were doing. Mm-hmm. There's just less in it. Mm-hmm. The world used to be a bitter, bigger place. Yeah, they used to not a bitter place. <laughs> they used to be place. crab people and a pirate with a with an crab eel people. and a sh- and a conch shell for a head. Man, that yeah. ruled. Now there's just like zombies and. Now you can now you can look forward to Pirates Five, baby. I will say they do bring back the weird ghost pirate stuff in in some way that I don't remember. At least there's yeah. that. Aren't they like perpetually underwater even when they're not? Isn't I that their thing? Yeah, I think that's it. <clears throat> they're like perpetually in the process of drowning, even though they're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to say, I wanted to ask you. So 
Scott, you did not see Pirates no. Five. I only, in fact, I only watched. I I got there was a we <clears> got to a certain point in this movie where Jack wakes up on Blackbeard's ship, and I was like, Yeah, I have not seen the rest of this movie, um, because I I bailed. Um, All right, I, I, I bailed after the. Uh, after Penelope Cruz was introduced, and I was just, I was like, nope, I don't care about any of this, and I just bailed. Um, so I had only seen right. all, the back half of this movie. This was the first time I had seen it. So yeah. amazing, amazing, amazing. I wanted to say I have a little anecdote, and I, I apologize. Like I came in, I was like, two months ago, I was like, Scott, I'm coming in because I have these, you know, all these. This this whole pirates thing that I used to do, and I used to have fun making up, and I and I really liked aspects of the story, and I wanted to show how I was going to film it, and I totally botched it up on this podcast. I came unprepared, <laughs> and I had two months to do it, and I tried my best, um, but you know, if anybody's interested in knowing whatever it was, you just have to just send me a tweet, send me a send me anything. I'll yeah. I'll link you to it's it. It's a cool no video. Problem. It's a cool that's not a, That's not a big. It is. Thanks. Yeah, and um, I mean, we never had a script. We never really had anything, but we had so many ideas. I really like if if I kept talking on this podcast, and if if we had infinite time, and if you were infinite interested, I would probably like explain all kinds of little details. But they wouldn't never they would never be like as cohesive as like a screenwriter would come in and be like, "Look, <laughs> this is the story." You know that that's kind of like I'm, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I wanted to say. My reaction when, and actually no, I, I don't know what I was gonna say. I was gonna say something very profound, and I lost it. Have you guys? You've seen, uh, um, you've seen um, Jodorowsky's Dune, yes. right? Yeah, the documentary. Yeah, yes, the documentary. When I first saw that documentary, I was like, "This man is insane." But then at the end of the film, I was like. I, I relate to this sure. so yeah. much. Yeah. Especially when he went, I was scared to see the film. <laughs> and then, he, and, I, and, I, and, and my son said, no, we're, we're men, we're going to see the, we're going to see the, the David Dune Lynch film. Dune that actually ended up happening, yeah. The David Lynch one, yeah. <clears throat> and I was scared, I was watching, but then the more I watched, I was happy because it was so bad. Right. <laughs> and I felt the same way. <laughs> I was I was just like yes, this is great. I'm 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 relieved. I'm relieved of my. De- I don't care. I'm fine. You know, I think I've explained enough on this podcast, and I'm so sorry that I, now I'm lighting up again. But you know, during the pod during the meat of the podcast, I was just like, yeah, that yeah. scene, that it's, scene. It, it, I think the thing <clears> that I find the most frustrating with this movie is that I, with a few more drafts, I think that there's a good movie here. It's just that like that. That oh, always, yeah. release date forced them to like shit out a movie that was just not <laughs> yes. not ready. It's not it's not ready for prime time. It's just not. This feels like a first draft to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, and let this be a lesson. Four hundred million dollars. You can throw eight hundred million. Yeah, you're not going to get a yeah. yeah, right. And yeah, and like you know, and even the you know the sizzle reel and the 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 images of of crossbones. <clears throat> like yeah, like you said, there was never like a hard script or anything, but. You know, you had like a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of like you were kind of reaching into the mythos, and you're like, "Oh, what if we did this? Like this could this could be cool." You know, which is what yeah the la- the sequels did, 
right? That's how they found the story for the sequels was that they mm-hmm. looked into the first one. It was like, what unanswered questions do we have that we can like play around with? Yeah. And they did that. Yeah. And then you did the same thing. Like you look back at these two movies that you didn't even love, but you look <laughs> back into it and you pulled stuff out of it. And it was like, well, let's talk about these things and let's look into this. Um, and yeah. that's, that's how you make a, well, that's yeah. how you make a good sequel. I think. Um, oh, thank you. Whereas this was just Thanks. like, what did we say at the end of the last one? Fountain of youth. All right. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's what we're doing. I know. I know. Let's take <laughs> know. this novel. We bought the rights to kind of out of fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> out of fear. Draw Jack yeah. Sparrow with a crayon, like on, in the pages of the book. Yeah. Yo, yo, ho, yo, ho. in the pirate's life. Oh, me. I had a weird bit of numerology I wanted to share with both of you. I don't know if this is only weird in my brain, but so the span of time between Curse of the Black Pearl and On Stranger Tides is eight years. In our time or the Pirates' time? Between 2003 and 2011. Oh, okay. okay. Eight years of movie going. The time between On Stranger Tides and uh, Dead Man Tell No Tales is, I believe, six years. So like wow. yeah, almost the same. That's yeah, nuts. the same amount of time passes almost, and it's just like you know you're watching this movie and you can feel Jack Sparrow like it's becoming like he's becoming like a clown at a birthday party, you know? Yeah. And Woof. like, yeah, know, six years are about to pass between now and next week. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, seriously, I can't wait to hear your impressions because I've not. Like I told you, I don't really care too much about pirates, so I haven't even seen that movie until my friend Luke <laughs> had to take me in, and he had to he had to say, "We're watching this movie because I'm bored." And I'm like, "Okay, fine, yep. let's watch it." And I, I had a good laugh. <laughs> sure. I had a laugh once or twice. It was it was it was there's 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 something at the movie's expense. Unfortunately, I, uh, can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. Can't wait for Scott to see it. Can't wait to talk about it. The finale. The th- we can't wait yes. to listen to it. Of our Pirates of the Caribbean season. But Phil, thanks so much for being on the show. No, no, no. Thank you guys for actually allowing me to show up. It's been great. I love this show. <laughs> great to have yeah, you finally on. All right. Well, well everyone. We'll be back. Uh, do, yeah. com slash No. Patreon.com. No. com slash support. <laughs> That's the yes. one. Uh, com slash support. Become a Patreon subscriber. We're going to do an episode on the Lone Ranger. Um, all six on, hours on of Patreon. It. Oh, yeah. So check that out. Uh, you'll want to hear that, I'm sure. Um, lots of jokes about cannibalism because sure. I believe cannibalism is a plot point in that movie, which Ironically. is <laughs> an interesting coincidence. Um, <laughs> you think he was, you think Army Hammer was reading the script and he was like, oh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, oh, wow. So anyway. <laughs> So we're going to talk about that over on the Patreon. So um, you'll want to tune in for that. And uh, we will will be back next week. With uh, uh, Pirates of the the Caribbean, Dead Man Tell No Tales, or as it was known in international territories, Pirates of the Caribbean, Salazar's Revenge. Whoa, like Wrath of Khan. Salazar's Revenge. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Wrath of Khan, what are you talking about? Was there a different no, no, title? No, no, uh, Just like Salazar's Revenge sounds like Wrath of Khan. Like it just sounds like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It does. It definitely does. I don't. I don't know which one's a better. Like, who's title. Salazar? I guess we're gonna find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got, got, right, got some revenge. Bye. Everybody. Bye.